on today's episode. We'll tie you up. We'll sing you a song, all in honor of Shout Out Mapes. It's Morsel's time. <laughs> it's what she would have wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. And today on the show, we're back at it again with another plate of spice morsels. Woo! <laughs> yes, hot out of the oven or the stove we've never established how to cook spice morsels i guess <laughs> the but... pan fried uh wok <laughs> do it <a> microwavable <laughs> peel the corner and insert into microwave <laughs> yes indeed it, I, honestly like yeah spice morsels are just like quick two minute microwavable meals for sure yeah <laughs> before we jump into today's episode very quickly a spoiler warning mm. Today's episode will contain light spoilers for just the first Dune book. So as long as you've seen Denis Villeneuve's Dune movie, you're good to go today. It's true. Today's episode is all about exploring the nooks and crannies of the Dune universe and the Dune Encyclopedia. We started these Spice Morsel episodes with this goal in mind. They're parts of the lore, little bits and pieces of the lore that are not quite big enough to like justify their own episodes. So we set aside a few and have fun getting into this like deep world building detail stuff. It's always a blast. And if it's not, you should let us know. So we stop doing it. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Without further ado, let's get into it. First on our plate mm. is a guy named Tyazor Lekalo. Yeah. So as many of you already know, we took some time, we dedicated a whole episode actually to talk about Dune's version of Shakespeare. Right. And so we figured it's only fair that we now also take some time here on today's episode to talk about Dune's most famous musician. Yeah. Tyazor Lakalo. Now, Tyazor was, without exaggeration, one of the most influential musicians of his time. Here's what the Dune Encyclopedia says, quote, nearly all the composers and musicians who followed him were influenced by his work, end quote. Wow. There's really no reading into that quote. That's pretty clear <laughs> yeah. that this guy was extremely influential. So, yeah, let's talk about the man himself. Tyazor was born in 12,191 AG on a familiar planet. Planet Chusik, which is hey. yeah, which is for sharp-eyed listeners, the same planet Gurney Halleck was born on, into a family with a long history of music. In fact, the earliest stories of the Lakalo family being tied to music go back to one of Tyazor's ancestors, Vit Lakalo, which is spelled V-E-I-T Lakalo, who was a shopkeeper and on kind of, I guess, a slow business day, began playing the 
Kitharon, which is a forerunner to the Balasen, to literally accompany the sounds of the marketplace. So, wow. Yeah. So, kind of bored. We got some hustle and bustle, decided to make some music to kind of go along with it. And that was the beginning of the Lakalos. And from that point forward, the Lakalo family was very tight knit and focused on their craft. They became known for their musical excellence. For example, members of the family almost always held the post of court musician at Lectus Maxima, <laughs> sure. whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> and they also held choir director positions in churches in cities like Deloa and Gagin for hundreds of years. And in fact, by the time our guy Tyazor was born, his family name, Lakalo, quote, had already become synonymous with musician <laughs> in many of the planetary dialects, end quote. <laughs> it's pretty wild. That's insane. Yeah. They are the Kleenex of music. <laughs> Just becoming synonymous for the thing itself. That's incredible. That That's how influential and acknowledged this family was when yeah. it comes to their musical talent. You can't be born a Lakalo and be like, I want to be a baker. They're like, fuck out of it. Good joke, John. No, Dad, I don't want to dance and sing and be a and be a musician. I want to play basketball. I want to be a stockbroker. It's like, too bad, son, you're singing. The you better find story. your goddamn creativity, son. I don't want to see you fucking crunching numbers ever again. I don't want to see you making reasonable business decisions with your future. Play music. <laughs> now, the Dune Encyclopedia also tells us a fun anecdote about how Lakalo family reunions were, frankly, a lot of fun and mm. really played into their brand as musicians. <laughs> yeah. At these reunions, quote, they would amuse themselves by singing chorales and folk songs whose content were often naughty as well as humorous, <laughs> all of which were sung in such a way that several parts improvised made a kind of harmony together, end quote. Oh, my God. That sounds like the best time. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, I love that. Pour me a glass of Sappho juice and let's go. Let's go to, let's go to one of those. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, truly. Now, Tyazor's childhood was everything you'd expect for someone born to the Lakalo family, from what we've told you. As a boy, he was taught a bunch of instruments, including the balisette, right, finger pipes, carillon bells, even something called the organum, which is like an organ of some sort. Yeah. And though his childhood was full of music, it was also accompanied by tragedy. <laughs> Oh, uh, no. Oh, no. I know every fucking person in this universe. His parents died when he was 10 years old. Only 10 years old. Both uh. of his parents died. And the Dune Encyclopedia gives no details. <laughs> They're just like, blah, 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 <laughs> when he was orphaned at 10. Moving oh, on. My God. Oh, yeah. come yeah. on. At least give us a cause of death, whatever. Nevertheless, he went to stay with his half-brother, Dion Lacalo, and otherwise life basically continued in the same way as his earlier years, practicing and studying everything music. Right. Not a sound 
business decision in sight <laughs> for our boy Tyazor. So fast forwarding a couple of years from age 15 to 18, we see Tyazor really dedicate to his craft. He continues to deepen his musical talents and he even starts his first job at age 15 in the year 12,206 AG as an organist for St. Gregorica's Collegium in the city of Gagan. Right. And you'll start to notice a pattern here, listener. During this period, he basically continues to study his craft. He studies in chorus and theory and composition. And ultimately, he's just on the grind. He's spending these years setting the stage and building the foundation for the massively famous and influential musician he will become later in life. Right. It's also during this period that he studied advanced keyboard technique under someone named Linen Moeb. Sure. Presumably some well-known keyboardist. Right. So the takeaway there is that he had some good mentors along the way as well, which is, of course, as we all know, necessary. Totally. We can only learn when we are taught. It's true. At 18 years old, Tyazor left the Collegium in order to take a new job as an organist and choir director in a nearby village called Shaubella. And buckle up, folks, because this is where our musical prodigy, studious music nerd started fighting people. <laughs> kind of. Oh, no. Oh, no. A bit of a bad boy streak that sticks yeah. <laughs> for the rest of his life. I love this. The choir nerd who <laughs> throws hands. Basically, <laughs> as the story goes, a tenor in Tyazor's choir attacked him with a stick when he berated the singer's performance of a difficult passage. Apparently, Tyazor provoked this attack, quote, by using the deadly insult, Zippelfagatisti. Yes, Leo, what was the insult? <laughs> A word as difficult to translate as it is to pronounce, end quote. No kidding. My God. So many syllables to yeah, yell at someone. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, from the wording in the Dune Encyclopedia, it really sounds like Tyazor left the tenor no choice but to bring it to blows. <laughs> he was like, straight up, this is going to be a fight, me saying these <laughs> words. And apparently, this pattern continued into his adult life or rather it becomes a pattern in his adult life. Quote, he spent much of his adult life in one scrape or another, constantly fighting with his superiors, and he had a notoriously short temper. He was utterly frank on matters on which he was an expert, but his lack of diplomacy made him many bitter enemies. <laughs> End quote. Oh my God, I feel like we've oh, all met man. that person, right? They know everything. You're like, listen, they know everything, but then they're kind of an asshole yeah. about it. Super fun. Super fun people to be around. The Dune Encyclopedia does note that he was modest about his abilities and fairly accurate in his overall self-evaluation. So, like, it's not like he had this giant ego. He was just really a grating person to be around. And he also displayed a willingness to learn from anybody he could. So... If someone could teach him something, he was an ideal student, just a very good student or disciple. Right, right. <laughs> if you can teach him something, great. BFFs. If you're going to talk <laughs> he will shit, catch your jaw with an elbow. You better be ready to throw hands. Post haste. 
It's accelerando andante. Yeah. That's a forte elbow to the face. That's his style. (laughs) Now, at 20 years old, Tizor actually took a year off work to go continue his studies in Deloa, which we're told is the musical epicenter of Chiswick. And then after that year, he basically returned to his work in Chibola at 21. So he, he took a bit of a sabbatical to continue some of his trainings and refine his craft. And from this year, he actually brought back a ton of wild and crazy ideas on ways to present music within the church. Right. Some of which were controversial. He drew some criticism with these wild ideas that he found out in Deloa. He also <laughs> brought with him an assistant, a young woman from Deloa named Estra. Estra was Tizor's second cousin and first wife. Oh. <laughs> Bit of a plot sure. twist there. If you're worried about awkward family reunions, though, not to worry. Estra tragically died just two years later while giving birth to their second child. So a very short right. marriage between Tizor and Estra here. Now, Tizor, not one to mourn. <laughs> His wife tragically dies, delivering their second child. Remarried the next year. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. In 12,215 AG to a woman named Rausmir Nivium who apparently was one of his choir members. <laughs> Man, number of problematic levels to this. But it is with this young woman, Rausamir, that he had 12 more children. <laughs> oh my <laughs> And God. again, the Dune Encyclopedia fucking moves on. Like, it has a cute little quip about how, quote, Lucalo often joked that he could make a sizable orchestra from the members of his household alone, end quote. Yeah, sure, but that's a lot of fucking <laughs> kids, dude. Like, Yeah, man. God. And also, it does seem like they had the kids within only a few years. Like, it doesn't seem like they're spanned out 12 years. So maybe, like, we've got triplets, quadruplets kind of situation going on. Yeah. I was also just thinking of, like, John and Kate plus eight, <laughs> like the right, version right. of that. Tyazor and <laughs> Rausmir <laughs> plus 12. Plus 12. What a great show. <laughs> what a great show Right on Caledonian television. Yeah. I mean, he's got his own little band. <laughs> he, he could start a band yeah. with his kids. Yeah. It would be adorable. <laughs> now, actually, his way too many children did inspire some of Tyazor's work because he developed a series of works of music for the Balisset, which in turn actually precipitated a big career shift for him and one of the final major shifts in his career that he's going to settle in for for effectively the rest of his life. The musical works were under the title Etudes and Progressions of Balisset and began with the simplest of melodies, which then progressed to wildly difficult complexity. Right. And the intention behind this was to help teach his kids Balisset, which for an easily angered, argumentative, asshole genius man is <laughs> yeah. actually a pretty sweet dad move. Like, good yeah. on you, Tyazor. That's that's adorable. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. It turns out the overall strength of these works, plus his decades-long career in music that he's already built, got him a job offer 
at the newly founded St. Steele School for Boys, which is basically where he spends the rest of his career. He really settles into this role. Right. Now, at this new spot, he does some subsequent musical works, and the Dune Encyclopedia gets super into the weeds about it. So as much as I would love personally to talk about them all, (laughs) we do want to keep this section moving. So here are some highlights. Now, he wrote a choral setting of The Trial of St. Satile, which is, quote, regarded as the greatest choral work in the Gallic language, end quote. Pretty wild. Wow. Gallic being the kind of common language of the galaxy and approximately English, maybe. Pretty wild that that's not even greatest modern or greatest postmodern or whatever. It's just the greatest. That's insane. Right. He also wrote Al Korin Min, which is an opera of the Battle of Korin, which is the event that started the empire and was the beginning of the Harkonnen-Atreides feud. And within this, the opera includes an aria in which the singer is instructed to chug a glass of wine, throwing the empty glass before singing a word translating to toast in a wild 25-note passage, (laughs) which, again, (laughs) I see some of that, like, wild new thinking that he's bringing back from Dilloa, right? The the kind of right. chaotic new forms of musicality. And then finally, in his work, The Seven Sailors, he has this serious motet, and it's like emotional and dramatic, that transitions slowly into comedy as all of the singers on the stage, one by one, leave the stage, leaving the tenor, the like soloist, alone and confused and nervous. <laughs> As he's like, Incredible. why am I still on the stage? And the work <laughs> ends on a very funny, hilarious note. So those are some works from Tyazor during his career. Yeah. And speaking of his career, as we stated, he basically spends the rest of it at St. Steele's. Right. He spends over 60 years at this organization. And in his final years, he spent most of that time, unfortunately, pretty frustrated and unhappy, which I can relate to. I spent like two years at a company (laughs) and I'm pissed as fuck and ready to leave. So 60 years, can't imagine. Yeah. This guy's gone through so many administrations. (laughs) Yeah. These later years in his life seem mostly defined by restrictions in his projects due to disagreements with school administrators. And he eventually dies at the age of 86 due to a stroke in the year 12,277 AG. Right. His death was met with mourning from musicians everywhere, but (laughs) apparently the principal of St. Steele's wasn't too bothered and said, quote, now we can hire a chorus master instead of a virtuoso, (laughs) end quote. So it's clear. It's so clear that by the end of his life, he was really butting heads with leadership. Yeah. For sure. And while he was mourned by the larger musical community, the folks he directly probably like clocked in and clocked out with were fucking fed up with this guy. <laughs> yeah, I also, I get it. You know, you, you have a very like utilitarian, we need to teach our students. And he's this like world famous musical guy in his own right. Right. I get that. That's fair. Totally. Totally. Well, one last thing about Tyazor before we move on is regarding his legacy. Upon his death, city authorities in Diloa had a statue of him built. They were like, he was great. 
he had people throw wine glasses and chug wine on stage. We love him. And the statue of him was constructed on the roof of the town hall. Pretty big. Wow. And yeah. at his feet was a balisette adorned with the word master. Quote, the word aptly described his life, both as a performer and composer, just as no words can capture the treasures he gave to the worlds. End quote. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful. You know, music and art, a very important dimension to any real world building. And although this takes place many years after the events that we see in Dune, still to know that these are thriving communities and towns that have these schools and universities and choirs and churches, all of these details that come from Tyazor's life, I find really enriching to picturing like day-to-day -day life on these little planets out in the Empyrean. 100%. Such a cool part of the world building. Yeah. Now with Tyazor's life and legacy out of the way, Let's take a bit of a breather, maybe put on your favorite Tyazor track. <laughs> and after the short break, we'll be right back because we have more spice morsels to finish eating today. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. My favorite of his songs is Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you get that Tyazor song stuck in your head for the next couple of morsels, because we're jumping right in. The next morsel we wanted to talk about is Shout Out Napes. Hey! hey. <laughs> Shout out to Shout Out. Yes. Let's talk about the Fremen housekeeper who turned out to be so much more in Dune. Indeed. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> much to my chagrin, yeah. We know very little about Shoutout Mapes' early life. But what we do know is that she eventually found her way to Siege to Burr and eventually found her way to working for Stogar. Our Navy boy. <laughs> our, our favorite Navy boy. <laughs> we do know that she was once married and a mother, but tragically lost both her husband and her children somewhere along the way. Right. I'm sure to many of the threats found out in the deep desert on Arrakis. Sure, yeah. Nevertheless, in the face of this tragedy, she was revered for her adherence to Fremen rites and traditions, and she was remarkably knowledgeable about these subjects. So within her community, she was well-respected. Yeah. Now, we know her title, shout out, from her conversation with Jessica is a Chikopsa word, meaning well-dipper. 
But this actually has much deeper implications for Mapes' life than you may suspect. And this is part of why we wanted to do this morsel and talk about Shadow, because she deserves to have this clout, as it were. So Shadow's well dippers, were usually daughters to siege chiefs, and as, quote, well dippers, were responsible for trapping and bagging the water of life when drowning the little worm. So you know the water of life, so important to Fremen's ceremony. Well, yeah. grabbing that liquid, this very important liquid, very important task, that was handled by the well dippers. Many well dippers apparently went on to become Sayadina, or Reverend Mothers. But for our gal, Mapes, that wasn't in the cards. Quote, It is likely that Mapes exhibited early signs of the sensitivity to others and the penchant for question and evaluation that made her invaluable as a spy, which diverted her role from religion to rebellion. End quote. Super cool little quote. And it's for this reason that many suspect she was effectively espionage chief during the Harkonnen rule. So, you know, House Harkonnen's in charge of planet Arrakis for 80 years. As long as she was in Siege to Burr, she was very likely heading pretty much all of the espionage efforts from Siege to Burr, which of course then set her up to be the obvious top candidate for going to House Atreides, right? Interviewing, going through that crazy rigorous job interview process where Jessica asked her one fucking question and then dismissed everybody else. Uh, yeah, incredible. <laughs> to become the housekeeper for House Atreides to evaluate the Lisan Al Gaib, right? Very important task. No one else trusted other than Shadow herself. Shadow names. Yeah, truly. And actually, there's a bit more context to that scene as well when it comes to Shadow because. She obviously passes Jessica's test with flying colors, and she confirms that Jessica and Paul are part of the legend. And it's this endorsement from Shadout of Jessica and Paul that they are the real deal, that they fit the legend, they may be the ones. That endorsement that she gives to Stilgar, more than even Lietkind's instructions to protect Paul and Jessica out in the desert, influenced his decision to do so. Right. Which is huge. Yeah. Liet Kynes was revered. He was a leader among Fremen. His father set them out on a course for generations to come. But it was also Shadow's endorsement of Jessica and her test of Jessica and her knowledge that Stilgar trusted when he made his decision not to just kill Paul and Jessica out in the desert when they come across them and to, in fact, bring them into his siege community. And we wanted to just flag that because that's big. Yeah, It's big that she held that kind of respect, not just with Stilgar, but within her community, that her word about these offworlders meant as much or maybe even more so than Liet Kine's instructions not to harm them. <laughs> right. Now, we know that Shadow dies the night of the attack on Arakeen, attempting to warn Duke Leto against the incoming threat. And with that, Shadow Mapes' story ends. But we do get this quote from the Dune Encyclopedia, which I loved, loved, loved. Quote, Princess Irulan wrote that Paul spoke of the Shadow as a shining example of Fremen womanhood. End quote. Wow. The idea 
that Paul would go on, having met her only once or twice, but to get to know her, I'm sure, through his relationship with Stilgar and Siege Tabur, to know that he's going on to say she was really spectacular, like a really incredible person who deserves honor is awesome. I love I love that little detail. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. And again, speaks to the effect she has on the people around her. Yeah. She's instantly respected and instantly memorable. So as we always say, Shout, shout out, out to, to shout, shout out. out <laughs> I, try, I tried. <laughs> As we always say together in unison. <laughs> Alrighty, we have one more morsel left to go for today. Yeah. And this may be familiar to some of you loyal listeners out there because we have touched on this before. Mm-hmm. We want to talk a bit more about Crimscale Fiber. Indeed. Because there's still more to say. And our true goal on this podcast is to tell you everything there is to know about ECAS. It's true. Specifically, the rest of Dune, who cares? ECAS is where <laughs> our... To- Welcome to GOM ECAS. <laughs> Truly. So let's revisit Crimscale Fiber and dive a little bit deeper than we have in the past. Right. Crimscale Fiber, or claw fiber, is a type of woven rope from strands of the Huffuff vine, my favorite vine, <laughs> the most popular rope on Gamot. The Huffuff vine is, as we talked about in our ECAS episode, native to ECAS, the worst and best planet in the universe. And mm-hmm. as per our last Spice Morsel episode, the Huffuff plant also has pods full of Huffuff oil, which is used in lenses in almost every pair of binoculars. What a useful plant. Indeed. Personally, also my favorite vine. I don't, I'm not going to go ahead and list my top five vines right now. We don't have time, but Huff Huff is up there. Easily top 30 vines for me. Like easily of all <laughs> of the probably millions of vines, I've narrowed it to 30. It's in the top 30. <laughs> easily. Easily. For sure. The top 1%. The rope made from Crimscale fiber, as we've discussed in the past, is the most popular choice for binding animals, and people right? for purposes both nefarious and sexual. <laughs> right. It tightens when struggled against, but was also robust enough that it wouldn't cut skin like something like Shiga wire can. Right. And it was, quote, seldom fatal, end quote. And as we know from the first Dune book, Jessica was famously bound in Crimscale fiber during the attack on Arakeen. And she knew not to struggle against it because if she did, it would have tightened unbearably. Probably wouldn't have killed her, as we know now, but it would have been painful. And the more she struggled, the more she would have been trapped. Right. Now, this is the part that we didn't really talk about when we first talked about that back in the third episode of the book club, is someone named Halljance Von Brook, who in... 6,854 AG, wrote a book called The Strangler Vines of Ekaz on the subject of Crimskill, and the excerpt is fucking excellent. It's so <laughs> funny to me. So he describes the vine length and how it varies from 50 to 100 meters and offshoots from the main vine covering an equal area, just this incredible 
massive vines that you can find on ECAS, which means that on ECAS, there are patches of crimscale vines 100 by 100 meters and within those areas. If you step on a vine, quote, the vines react violently to the slightest disturbance, snaking around the limbs responsible. Once the plant's grasp is secure, unaided escape is next to impossible, as the many skeletons found in huff-huff patches ah! will attest, end quote. <laughs> this episode's going to come out not far from Halloween, so happy Halloween, folks. Many skeletons! I love yeah. that so much. <laughs> You're just like, oh, look, a patch of vines. Sorry, are there many skeletons in there? There are. Gonna go out on a limb. That's probably Huff Huff. I don't know for sure. <laughs> probably Huff Huff plant based on the, I repeat, many skeletons. <laughs> right, right. What's the over under on the amount of skeletons you need to be really sure that it's Huff Huff? <laughs> One yeah, skeleton could there? be any plant on ECAS, honestly, can kill a man. So reasonable. <laughs> many? Sure. All of the skeletons in the universe, probably not Huff Huff. That might be something else. Right, right. <laughs> so the last two details from the Dune Encyclopedia about Crimscale Fiber that we want to share are both winners. First up, Crimscale ropes are often used in booby traps against trespassers. Basically, place a loop of it where you think they'd step and uh, boom, you caught yourself a trespasser. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Because it'll automatically tighten around them. Second, when Shigawire hits the market, people actually sort of jumped at the new shiny technology, but only because not a lot of people knew Shigawire would actually render your burglar into thinly sliced chunks of meat, Shigawire being so deadly. And once that was widely known, our MVP, our guy, he's never let us down. The Crimscale fiber rope was back in action. Mm. and took the crown once again, knocking Shigawire out of the top spot. <laughs> My question is, how many burglars had to be fucking sliced <laughs> and diced for people to learn this? That was a very bloody period of home invasions, <laughs> of like, <laughs> oh, man, not another fucking burglar. There's so many pieces. <laughs> so many pieces. Yeah. God. Yeah, messy. Messy for cleanup. That's why you always stick with that Crimscale fiber rope. And again, folks, this is why Crimscale rope, top 30 vines. Shigawire, top 75 <laughs> vines. It's lower on the list. It's lower. I've spent hundreds Not of hours for home security. formulating opinions on vines. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, those are our spice morsels, as we say. Clean plate club. We just got the Indeed. crumbs left, and even those were lapping up. So let's uh, wrap up today's episode with a bit of final housekeeping. And we wanted to tell you, remind you, perhaps, of two great ways to support us in what we do here at Gumjabar. The best of which is to become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash Gumjabar. There's some cool benefits that come along with supporting us. You know, you get ad-free episodes. You don't have to hear those pesky ads. You get weekly bloopers, some additional clips, and an invitation to our exclusive Discord server where you can chat with us directly. Hang out. It's fun. And of course, a huge shout out to our Quisats Hatterack level patrons, Case Aiken and Matthew Good. Guys, uh, gentlemen, on my town hall, 
I will have statues of both of you with a little Indeed. podcast microphone with very nice <laughs> engraved upon it. <laughs> Your legacy Indeed. is that of generosity and support. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. We do. Thank you. Another great way to support us is to check out our merch store at gamjabarshop.com. Mm. We've got custom designed art and apparel and stickers, a pint glass, a tote bag, and so much more. So don't walk, run towards gamjabarshop.com and get yourself some Dean swag. But as you run, watch out for huff-huff patches. <laughs> you don't want to, we don't need more <laughs> many skeletons, all right? Too many skeletons outside the storefront. <laughs> we, just, we don't want to clean up the vines because we love them, uh, but y'all keep running into We them. shouldn't have put our warehouse on ECAS. <laughs> That's our bad. <laughs> Finally, we'd love to hear what you think about today's episode, Morsel episodes in general. Should we do more of them? What obscure parts of the Dune universe are you interested in learning about? Let us know. Write us an email. Gamjaparpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Just hit us up. <laughs> Indeed. And also top 100 vines. Throw that in the email yeah. as well. I want to know how my list compares to you, listener. What is number 77 on your list? <laughs> <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path.